It's not just good conversation, it's your voice on the weekends. Weekends with Kenny Rahmeyer on News Radio KLBJ. I'd like to say it's a pleasure to be on your show. I've listened to a number of your podcasts. You always seem to pick some nuances that are fun to hear and interesting. I so appreciate everything that this generates. Come on, talk to me. What's going on? What's going on? Yeah, what's going on? What's going on? Tell me what's going on. I'll tell you what's going on. Hi, everyone. Good afternoon. Another big news day right here on the weekends on News Radio KLBJ. Kenny Rahmeyer with you live and local this afternoon. More U.S. attacks on our enemies in the Mideast. All the latest on that for you this afternoon. Along with Texas Governor Greg Abbott, down on our southern border as we speak with 14 other U.S. governors in support of what Governor Abbott has been doing on the southern border. We'll give you Latest on that on KLBJ, still no details on that long-anticipated Senate bill that ties immigration to support for Israel and Ukraine. We'll have all that for you here on KLBJ. Some presidential politics as well. Stunning. Two new polls, one from NBC, one from CNN. Disastrous numbers for President Biden in these new polls on almost all fronts. And we'll have some of that for you this afternoon as well on KLBJ. As always, you can give us a call or send us a text here on KLBJ at 512-836-0590. Give us a call or send us a text anytime you'd like to join the program. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan out making the rounds on the Sunday TV news shows today on CNN's State of the Union program today. He said the United States will take additional action on the Iran-backed militant groups after we've already made these earlier strikes the past few days or so. This is uh, the third straight day that U.S. and our Western allies have targeted some of these Iranian-backed armed groups over in the region. Earlier today, It was the United States and British strikes on the Houthi uh, rebels. They destroyed a cruise missile that posed an imminent threat to U.S. Navy ships and merchant vessels in the region. Yesterday, American and British warplanes, with support from six other allies, launched strikes at dozens of Houthi sites in Yemen. And then, of course, on Friday, the United States carried out airstrikes on more than 85 targets in Syria and Iraq. These strikes, depending on which website you read, dozens of fighters, several civilians have been killed. That according to the Iraqi government. And I'll give you the latest on some of the administration spokespeople out there on the Sunday TV news shows today. I mentioned Sullivan on CNN and many other programs as well. And he's telling us that the strikes have had a good effect so far. We do believe that the strikes had good effect in degrading the capabilities of these militia groups to attack us. Uh, And we do believe that, uh, that as we continue, we will be able to 
continue to send a strong message about the United States' firm resolve uh, to respond when our forces are attacked. We intend to take additional strikes uh, and additional action to continue to send a clear message that the United States will respond when our forces are attacked or our people are killed. And one of the National Security Spokespeople, Admiral John Kirby, echoed those sentiments. He was on Fox earlier today saying, yeah, there's more to come. What you saw on Friday night was just the first round. There will be additional response actions taken by the administration uh, against the IRGC and these groups that they're backing. The president doesn't want to see a broader conflict in the Middle East, and we're not looking for a war with Iran, and I'll bet you the American people don't want that either. We're going to do what we have to do to hold them accountable. I saw this report as well. The administration is imposing sanctions on officers and officials of Iran's Revolutionary Guard. Uh, these are some charges that have been released against nine people trying to hold them accountable for selling oil to finance the militant groups Hamas and Hezbollah. According to the New York Times, this is a coordinated effort on the part of the administration to try to disrupt Iran's efforts to use those oil sales and the money from the oil sales to fund terrorism. U.S. officials also said the United States conducted a cyber ops of some kind of operations uh, against Iranian targets Friday. They declined to provide any additional details on that. Of course, the effects of these sanctions, uh, we don't know the extent of the cyber operations, so hard to measure that. You know, these sanctions seem to have been of marginal benefit so far, whether it's against Iran, whether it's against Russia because they always seem to find ways around the sanctions. Nevertheless, that was reported in the New York Times and wanted to bring that to your attention this afternoon. All of this as the Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken, is leaving today for another trip to the Mideast. This is uh, to go to four different countries over there, part of United States continuing diplomatic negotiations related to the Israel-Hamas war. The idea there is they're trying to continue to see if they can figure out a way to get a sustained pause in the fighting and get the release of around 130 hostages still being held in Gaza. So Secretary of State Blinken on the way to the, the Mideast for his fifth trip there since October 7th of last year. It's also reported today that Hamas, you wonder how effective has Israel been in trying to take out these bad guys in Gaza. It's reported Hamas has started deploying police forces and making partial salary payments to some of its civil servants in Gaza City. Now, these are areas where Israel has taken out supposedly a lot of the bad guys and they've actually withdrawn the bulk of their troops from Gaza City over a month ago, but now it appears Hamas seeing some level of resurgence there in that city. And uh, this, according to this report, just underscores Hamas resilience, even as Israel has pounded them with air and ground campaigns since, you know, early October there for four months now. Of course, Israel said it's determined to crush Hamas militarily and prevent Hamas from returning to power in Gaza. However, 
You take a look at just the sentiment around the world, for example. Here's uh, an AP poll says an increasing portion of U.S. adults believe Israel's military response in Gaza has, quote, gone too far, end quote. About 31% believe Israel's military response has been about right. It's down from 38% in November. And then I saw this CNN staffers reportedly upset with their own network's coverage of the Israel-Hamas war, some saying that their journalism has been skewed by a systemic and institutional bias. Reporting is the general feeling is that CNN's coverage repeats Israeli propaganda and often skews pro-Israel. I got to say, for for history fans, going back to World War II with the kind of sentiment, the kind of pressure that seems to be put on Israel right now to back off. Even as Israel is saying, we're going to take out the bad guys, going to eradicate Hamas. I'm, you know, you think back to Patton's campaign in Europe, trying to take out the Germans with the kind of sentiment going on right now. Around the world, you wonder if Patton would ever had a chance to do all he did to, uh, to help save the world. Just as one example, back in the World War II days. 512-836-0590 here on KLBJ. We're just getting started Lots more to talk about, including some of the latest on the immigration front, including Texas Governor Greg Abbott, 14 fellow Republican governors down on the border this afternoon. We'll have all the latest on that and a whole lot more coming up. And you can join us. 512-836-0590 right here on KLBJ. And welcome back. Thanks for being with us. Weekends with Kenny Rawmeyer right here on News Radio KLBJ. Glad to be with you this afternoon. Texas Governor Greg Abbott, 14 fellow Republican governors down on the southern border this afternoon. The governor was getting a briefing on our border security initiatives down there relative to the administration's border policies. As I mentioned, 14 Republican governors along with him there, including Arkansas Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders, Georgia Governor Brian Kemp. Uh, Let's see who else here. Missouri Governor Mike Parsons. Uh, South Dakota Governor Christy Nome and and several others. The governor said that Texas razor wire installation down on the Eagle Pass, Texas area, is is continuing and has led to a massive reduction in migrant flow just in that area. Abbott was on Fox News earlier today and was talking about the stand that he's continuing to take on the border and progress that's being made there. We are guaranteed by the United States Constitution the right of self-defense if states face imminent harm or invasion. Texas obviously is facing both an imminent harm uh, as well as an invasion. Uh, And so these governors are rallying around Texas to support our ongoing right to self-defense. This park in Eagle Pass, Texas, that we put up the razor wire, uh, there used to be 3,000 or 4,000 people crossing that area a day. Uh, For the past three days, we've averaged just three people crossing that area. The point is, if we put up resistance, we show that we can secure the border. Joe Biden should not be stopping that. The Tennessee Governor Bill Lee was one of those supporting Governor Abbott down on the border, and he made some comments on Fox just not too long before we 
went on the air today about what he and those other governors are there for. These governors are here together today to do our job, which is the job that the federal government has failed to do, and that is to protect this country. Each one of us understand the devastating effects that the border policy has had on every one of our states individually. You know, it's pretty interesting, I, and I've got some, some stories and some clips here in a moment from uh, the kind of support that Governor Abbott's tactics which have been so controversial and so widely criticized about busing migrants up to the various cities and that. You remember when all that started and the blowback that he was getting at that time. And yet, here's uh, Florida Governor DeSantis, right, has said he's going to be willing to send some National Guard troops to Texas. That's uh, probably one of his first official plays for the 2028 campaign for running for president. We'll put that aside for a moment, but you just take a look at the, the broad level of, of support now for a change in policy on the immigration front. And, and a lot of the, um, the credit is being given to Texas Governor Greg Abbott. And, and why not? I'd be interested in your thoughts on this. 512-836-0590. You know, this is of a strategy on the part of Governor Abbott that has been, as I said, used now for, for several months, sending migrants to New York City, Washington, D.C., Chicago, or I'd go right down the line, Denver. In fact, it's being reported this weekend that, and here's the headline, right? Texas has spent an eye-popping $124 million to bus migrants to Democrat-run cities. The report is that taxpayers are footing over 99% of the total cost money approved by the Texas legislature for border security under Operation Lone Star. Of course, the governor set up a, a donation portal. The report is states raised about $460,000-some to help pay for the buses. And then you hear the critics saying, well, you know, you could buy a bus ticket for one of these uh, cities from Texas to to New York or Denver, whatever, for 300-some dollars, and it's costing about $1,000 per migrant and all that. Let's step back from this for just a moment. You take a look at that $124 million that Governor Abbott has spent shipping these migrants around the country. As I mentioned, the controversy and, and everything that's associated with that. I would suggest that $124 million and Governor Abbott's posture on, on shipping those migrants around, in addition to the, the stand that he's taken on the border, a lot of people say he should have done more over time. Nevertheless, he's got razor wire, he's got National Guard, he's got DPS troops, right? I would suggest he's done more to turn the national tide, to turn the national sentiment on finally people realizing, I'm not just talking about hardcore Republicans, I've got, like I say, a list of stories here. Democrat pundits on TV that are familiar names to you. Democrat governors saying, gee, I wish we would have done more sooner on, on all of this stuff. Former Obama advisor David Axelrod saying Governor Abbott's diabolically clever in what he's done here. So... You take a look just from an ROI standpoint, return on investment standpoint. 
the billions of dollars that the Biden administration has been pouring into their so-called strategy and the return on that. It's not even close, right? So much of the U.S. money has been spent on accommodating and processing and all that kind of stuff. Meantime, here's Governor Abbott, granted $124 million. That's a lot of money, no doubt. But has it gained traction? Has it gotten awareness? Has it moved the needle? I'm going to suggest it has. And I'll, let's, just, let's just run down some of the other names and, and how sentiment has changed here relatively recently. And, of course, you got a lot of these mayors and governors from these sanctuary states and cities who've been squawking about needing more help from the Biden administration, much of it not forthcoming. But obviously, they're feeling the pain. And I, I saw this interview, uh, Connecticut Governor Ned Lamont was being interviewed on uh, CNBC. And, you know, they were kind of coming at him from, from all sides. But he was saying, yeah, I've, I think Democrats were a little slow to get up to speed on this immigration Issue. And so here's just a, a little bit of a montage. Some of the other things that Connecticut Governor Ned Lamont has said, to me, very much echoing a lot of sentiments from some of the other politicians, governors, mayors, etc., on the Democrat side saying, you know what, I think we've really blown it on this one. I mean, I, I agree with the Democratic governor that we need more support from the federal government. I think especially true here in New York City. But also, we got to secure the border. We got to be a lot stricter on the border. Um, you've got to do both. But you're absolutely right. It only works if we secure our borders. Um, maybe Democrats were a little slow to get up to speed on this. Some of us, you know, from this part of the region, we weren't as hit as hard early on. I think we all know where we got to be now. That's why it's so important that the Republicans don't pull back at this last moment. The ball's on the five-yard line. That's a football analogy. And, uh, I don't think there's any distance right now. He's come out strong. He said, give me the tools. I will shut down the border to illegal immigration. He was very clear on that. Maybe you wish he was, he'd said that sooner. He's saying it now. The ball's in Congress's court. You're going to give him the tools to get the job done. Yeah, well, at least Lamont is owning it. Yeah. Yeah, you guys have been late to the party. At least he's, he's owning it somewhat, even though too little, too late in so many ways. I mentioned former Obama advisor David Axelrod. Quoting here, whatever you think about what Governor Abbott has done, it was diabolically clever. Because by shipping these migrants to cities that call themselves sanctuary cities, he's created issues. I come from Chicago. Chicago's been torn apart by this issue. New York, torn apart by this issue. Here's just another, I'm just trying to give you a kind of a broad sampling of how broad the blowback is now on the Biden administration and thinking, yeah, yeah, we're, we're really late to the party on this whole deal. This is Congresswoman Veronica Escobar from here in Texas. She's one of the leaders of the Congressional Progressive Caucus. And she was uh, doing an extensive interview 
She said, I can tell you in El Paso, there's exhaustion. And there's a sense that the issue has gotten so bad that something has to happen. And she said, she goes on to say, I'll be very candid. I wish the Democrat Party, the president included, had leaned in on this issue early on. Well, yeah, we're, we're paying the politicians to lean into stuff and, and to try to read between the lines and try to get ahead of stuff. All these Democrats are admitting they've been flat-footed on it big time. Democratic strategist and Fox News host Jessica Tarloff, you see her on Fox News all the time, right? She was on Bill Maher's show over the weekend talking about Governor Abbott and what he's done. She said end up being actually good on Governor Abbott to start busing immigrants all over the country. Now, keep in mind, these were a lot of the naysayers that were poo-pooing what Governor Abbott was doing early on. Even just to show you how, how mainstream a lot of the pushback is on the Biden administration now at this point. Old Dr. Phil, right? A lot of you probably don't even know who Dr. Phil is. Garrett, you know who Dr. Phil is? Oh, you do. Well, good for you. Your, your grandma probably watches him, right? That's how you know. Dr. Phil blasting President Biden for causing a migrant humanitarian crisis. He says, unlike anything we've seen before, he's down here visiting Texas. Taking shots, uh, metaphorically speaking, at Vice President Kamala Harris. Asking her how many times she's been to the border. All right, so it's, it's amongst politicians, it's amongst uh, some of your TV personalities and that, and, and everybody in between. The administration has dropped the ball. Tremendous crisis going on at this point. Meantime, Homeland Security Chief Alejandro Mayorkas says we need even more migrants here in the United States. He's saying we need them to, f- to fill jobs. This was an interview with the New York Times. And this was reported in the New York Times as well. Headline, U.S. quietly resumes deportation flights deep into Mexico. Yeah, the administration is shipping Mexicans deep and in, back into their own country now. You haven't heard about that, I'll bet, have you? Give you the latest on that immigration bill coming up right here on KLBJ. Stay with us. And Kenny Rallmeyer back with you here on a Sunday afternoon, live and local for you on News Radio KLBJ. Thanks a lot for being with us. You can give us a call or send us a text here this afternoon if you'd like to join the program. As we're giving you all the latest on what's going on on the southern border, still, still no final language on that uh, highly anticipated bill that was going to tie some kind of uh, border security in with support for Israel and Ukraine. I've got a couple of senators' thoughts on that. Uh, Arizona Senator Kristen Sinema and South Carolina Senator Lindsey Graham talking about it on the Sunday TV news shows today. But still, no final language, which we heard going into the weekend. Yeah, yeah, there's going to be something. It may be later on in the weekend, but we're going to have something for the senators to to chew on. And then presumably, if they were to pass something, it would go over to the House, right? Well, we've got some updates on that. But first, here's uh, Senators Cinema and Graham talking about, at least at this point, what's in the bill and the process of trying to get this thing done. This is an incredibly powerful tool. And I believe that when folks have the opportunity to read the legislation Mm -hmm. and hear 
from groups like Border Patrol agents, ICE agents throughout the country, they will see how important this tool is for our administration to have. We're now mandating that the government actually shut down the border if those numbers get to 5,000 a day. Mm -hmm. But we're permitting the government to actually shut down the border when it only gets to 4,000 approaches a day. And the reason we're doing that is because we want to be able to shut down the system when it gets overloaded. And here's uh, Senator Lindsey Graham talking about uh, the process of getting this thing done and how he's been involved in that somewhat. I've been involved in the negotiations. Uh, what they have achieved, as far as I know, we, don't, we haven't seen it yet, is a real change in asylum. It's a real change in parole. It's a real change in expedited removal. And so there's a, a real split in both parties, uh, apparently, on whether this thing is going to go anywhere or not. You have, uh, for example, on the Republican side at, in the presidential campaign, um, Nikki Haley has come out uh, speaking uh, pretty favorably about going ahead and, and trying to get some kind of bill done. Of course, former President Trump diametrically opposed to that. And a lot of splits amongst a lot of the senators as to whether it's the right idea, the right timing to do something or not. Meantime, over in the House of Representatives, U.S. Speaker Mike Johnson says, okay, well, we're just not going to wait on, on this thing any longer. I'm going to try to tee up a bill that uh, he says could be voted on this week that would uh, at least provide some military assistance, some financial assistance to Israel and tied a little bit of financial assistance in there to uh, with some of uh, our, our U.S. troops over in that part of the world. Here's U.S. House Speaker Mike Johnson on that bill that's going to be introduced and, and potentially voted on in the House this coming week. Israel has never been in greater need of our support, and the House is serious about that. I believe we'll pass this with a, a wide margin and take care of that responsibility. All right, and so that's, that's somewhat controversial as well in some corners because that has no ties whatsoever to, that bill has no ties whatsoever to anything having to do with immigration. Just, just leaving that totally out, same way with any funding for Ukraine. It's specifically focused on aid to Israel and our troops and the military over in that part of the world. Latest developments on that continuing to watch for any release. You know, sometimes sometimes stuff gets dumped on Friday night before the weekend. If Schumer and McConnell, the boys in the Senate, are, are going to hold true to, to what they've said going into the weekend, yeah, yeah, there's going to be something this weekend. Well, something's going to have to drop here pretty soon for it to uh, to hit the Monday morning news cycles. 512-836-0590 here on KLBJ. And then I got to get into this as we're talking presidential politics a little bit. And I, boy, I hate to, uh, to get into some mind-numbing numbers here from, from polling data as we're still, what, 10 months away from November and the elections. But devastating news out of some NBC News polling data. And this is uh, really recent. This is an NBC News poll conducted January 26th through the 30th. And if you're on Biden's team at this point or you're a Biden supporter, 
You may say, ah, well, these numbers don't amount to anything. So far away from the elections, we're not even paying attention to that. Okay. Maybe you're going to feel better about that. However, Biden's approval ratings continue to drop. He's continuing to plumb new lows. His approval rating now dropping to 37%. And 60% of registered voters polled by NBC disapprove of President Biden's job performance. That 37% number is the lowest point of his presidency. And if you take a look at just at some of the demographics, they are, to me, equally as interesting and equally as devastating for President Biden. Just top level. Get this. Trump holds a 22-point advantage over Biden on the question of which candidate would do a better job handling the economy. 55% pick Trump, 33% choose Biden. I mean, even if you only say that that polling's half right, that's still a substantial lead for Trump over Biden on just the economy alone. And then get into some of the other key issues on, on the, the minds of American voters. Trump has the edge on securing the border, controlling immigration, up 35 points over Biden. What about on having necessary mental and physical health to be president? Incredible leads there. Up 23% on that one. On dealing with crime and violence, up 21%. On being competent and effective, up 16%. Improving America's standing in the world, up 11%. And two areas where Biden holds a lead on Trump, dealing with abortion, 12%. Immigrant rights, 17%. Now take a look at some of the demographics. And here's again, if if you're on the Biden team, this can't be sounding good to you. Currently, only 35% of Hispanics, 29% of young people, and 27% of independents approve of President Biden's job at this point. Trump tops Biden with the Hispanic vote. It's close, but he still tops him on the Hispanic vote. Trump ties Biden with young people at 42%. Look out. More student debt relief sure to be on the way at some point here. And a couple of other key demographics. Biden holds the advantage over Trump among black voters, 75% to 16%. Women... 50% to 40%. White people with college degrees, 50% to 42%. And I don't want to downplay any of those demographics. Those are huge, especially the women vote and and certainly African Americans. But independence as well, Trump's good showing on independence. Trump leads... Among independents, 48% to 29%. That's huge. White people without college degrees, 62% to 29%. Men, 56%, 34%. No surprise there. On almost any front, except immigrant rights and abortion, the Trump campaign's got to be loving these latest numbers from NBC News. 
um, this polling data from this weekend. Then, not another very friendly news organization to former President Trump, CNN. CNN polls showed 70% of Americans disapprove of Biden's handling of immigration. Asked whether or not the current influx of migrants at the border is a crisis, 79% agree that it is. And then how about this in the same CNN poll, 66% of independents disapprove of President Biden's job performance. And those are staggering double-digit leads at this stage of the game. It's early. It's just a snapshot. I'll grant you all of that. And then in the CNN poll, Biden's support among traditionally Democrat-leaning blocks like younger voters, voters of color, hasn't grown any since last fall. Voters younger than 35 about evenly split. 49% back Biden, 46% Trump. Voters of color for Biden, 57% to 35% for former President Trump. And then uh, it, it may be just an exercise at this point to talk about anything related to any kind of third-party runs, but I did see an interesting article over the weekend. The headline, a five-way presidential race may help Trump beat Biden. So you take a look at the various ballot access rules all around the country. And it could really be a mixed bag in terms of, so which of the kind of unknowns may be on a ballot in any given state, right? So it is kind of a mishmash here. But if you take a look at just some of the polling data that's been done here, three non-major party candidates who have some hope of at least getting on several ballots. They call it significant ballot access. The Green Party nominee, Jill Stein, Independence Robert F. Kennedy Jr., and Cornell West. The Real Clear Politics database currently shows 14 five-way national polls. I can't get into all the details on that. Put you to sleep for sure. Bottom line, Trump leads in 13 out of the 14. And these are some polling data in some of the key battleground states. By and large, they show Trump doing a bit better when the non-major party candidates are included. Well, that explains why in, in previous weeks, and we talked about it a little bit, how the Democrats are really trying to, you know, to uh, tamp down the, the no-labels group, for example, discouraging a lot of these unknowns of, you know, get out of the way, letting Biden do his deal. So whether it's a no-labels candidate, I'm not sure if that's going to go anywhere at this point. What about a Libertarian Party candidate? I don't know. RFK Jr. just did speak to the big Libertarian Party convention, didn't he? Remains to be seen if he's going to be their candidate or not. He's kind of bouncing around everywhere. As I said, that no-labels organization, well, they're going to run somebody, who knows? They've got ballot access in 14 states. And it's just, maybe it's too soon to even mention that, or maybe it's a non-event to even be talking about it. But I think it's worth, worth keeping an eye on, at least for now. 
512-836-0590 here on KLBJ. Of course, I should mention President Biden won big. They said it was a landslide in the South Carolina primary for President Biden. Dean Phillips was on the ballot. He got, what, 1.5%, something like that. One of the other no-names got about the same amount. So Biden won it with 98%. And he celebrated. He went to his Delaware campaign headquarters. I got to tell you, I don't have any clips of the speech he gave. It was supposed to, I guess, hey, let's stop in and give the the troops uh, a little rousing rally here from from the big guy. It sounded like he was talking at a funeral. Unbelievable. And then just a couple of other developments on this front. Something I think you ought to be paying attention to. I've said a while back, you got to be careful. The economy is, is doing pretty well overall. You take a look at uh, the latest GDP numbers that have come out, the latest jobs numbers that have come out, unemployment rate, we're at, what, 3.7% right now. I mean, there's some positives that the administration can point to with respect to the economy. Now, a lot of people are not feeling that. And I know President Biden here lately has been taking aim, if you kept up with this, at the grocery stores for ripping people off. Well, he knows that's, that's one place where, even up against a lot of the good economic numbers, people are still not feeling it. He's saying the big corporations are ripping people off, price gouging, greedflation, shrinkflation. All these bud words. Yeah, well, the inflation increases in prices are are baked into these companies' pricing on a lot of food items. Grocery prices have jumped 25% over the last four years. So you got prices of appliances, smartphones, other stuff. Got a little more expensive, but big jumps in the price of beef, sugar, juice, right? Very common items that you're going to find on the shelves of a lot of Americans and their pantries and that. And these prices, according to the experts, are going to stay up there. Ongoing uh, supply chain disruptions, droughts, other factors that are keeping prices high. Yeah, and these companies want to lock in these profits. So beef, chicken, fruits, vegetables, snacks, a lot of stuff still pretty pricey. But watch for this. Because I saw a post on X on Twitter from New York Times, let's see, an economist, right? Paul Krugman, guy who's been wrong on a lot of stuff. But he's making the claim on, on Twitter on X that the economy is getting better and immigration, Biden's immigration policy is part of the reason that that's happened. I was saying, okay, look out for the spin coming on this one. It looks like they're going to try to say this disastrous border strategy with all the immigrants that have been coming at us really helping the economy here. So we better not back off of that. So I'm just just a heads up. Be watching for that narrative to take hold amongst the administration when they're flailing on the immigration in, in so many ways. Just Just a heads up. You might be looking for some twisted spin on that front. All right, still time for you to join us here. 512-836-0590. And we'll come right back. What about Super Bowl coming up next week? And well, what about the tradition of the president doing an interview 
with the network carrying the Super Bowl game. What's uh, President Biden going to do about that? We'll talk about it coming up on KLBJ. And Kenny Rawmeyer right back with you here live and local on a Sunday afternoon on News Radio KLBJ. Bob's calling in on 512-836-0590. Bob, you're on KLBJ. Hi. Hi, how are you? Great, thank you. Um, I heard you talking earlier about the uh, Senate bill or something, and they said, well... You know, we'll shut down the border if it goes over 5,000 a day. That's that's the rumor that's been out there. We haven't seen the final language yet, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah, well, they say 5,000, and they could shut it down if it exceeded 4,000 a day, right? They could shut it down with zero. That's the problem a lot of people have with it, I think, Bob. But why why amp it up to 4,000, 5,000 before you say this is too much? Well, I used a little calculator on my cell phone. 5,000 a day times 365 days is 1,825,000. And if you drop it down to 4,000, that's Mm 1,460,000 a year. Right. So they're talking about 4 and 5,000, and that sounds like a pretty low number, you know, if it was, oh, if it peaks at that. But they really need to talk, somebody really needs to bring up the fact that. This is how much it will be per year. Yeah, Bob, thanks. I, I think a lot of the politicians have already snapped to that, and that's why they're pushing back on the bill, even though we haven't seen the final language, as as uh, Langford, one of the Republicans who's been one of the key negotiators on this, saying, hey, hey, don't react to the rumors that are out there on the Internet. Wait for the final language. Okay, that's what we're waiting on, and we have yet to, to see it. But that's uh, what you're mentioning, Bob, is definitely so far, based on what people think they know about this deal, that's been one of the big issues that they've had with it is, yeah, let's just don't sign up and default to those kind of numbers right off the bat. All right, right before the break, the latest news is President Joe Biden will not participate in a pregame interview on CBS before the Super Bowl next week. Hmm. Let's step back and think about that for a moment. Gee, why not? Second consecutive year that he's declining an interview before the big game. CBS apparently hadn't made it clear who would be the specific correspondent for that interview. Was it uh, Scott Pelley on 60 Minutes did a softball interview with President Biden not too long ago here? And in fairness, we know Trump didn't speak with NBC back in 2018. It's not like it's unheard of, but let's be realistic. Do you think the administration's anxious to put their candidate out there? Now, this is pregame, right? So the Super Bowl usually draws 100-plus million people for the game. Not sure if everybody's watching the pregame or not as they're partying, eating snacks and everything, drinking everything else, but... Still, millions and millions of people likely would be watching that interview, right? They're not going to do that. They're not about to put that guy with somebody from CBS that's going to ask the tough questions and have the potential for President Biden to blow it in front of that many people. They're just, the risk is too high. There's no way they're going to do that. That should give people pause. And say, really, if you can't do a 15-minute interview with a correspondent, 
Not like there's not a lot of stuff to talk about here. What's going on in the Mideast, immigration, right? Some pretty uh, top-level issues on the minds of a lot of people. Now, maybe they said, yeah, yeah, we'll do it if it's one of those softballs interviews where, you know, don't ask them anything about any important issues. You want to ask him about football and, you know, how he used to know uh, Newt Rockney back in the day or whatever, right? He probably remembers those days. And CBS, maybe to their credit, said, no, we're not going to sign up for that, Mr. President. Okay, well, so that's not going to happen. No surprise there. It's also being reported this weekend, the Biden team's reportedly concerned about this special counsel report that could be coming out this week about President Biden's handling of these classified documents. This is reported by Axios that Biden's aides, while they don't expect criminal charges coming out of this investigation, they are concerned about potentially embarrassing pictures that might be included in this report, like I said, could be released as soon as this week, images that could show how he was storing classified materials, right? The stuff that was discovered in his garage by his Corvette in the Delaware home back in uh, 2022. Biden's aides told Axios they're fearful the Trump campaign would use the pictures against Biden, you think? So we'll watch for any developments on on that front. Speaking of uh, former President Trump, he did an extensive interview with Maria Bartiromo on the Fox Business Channel. And, um, I, you know, i just not going to go into all of it. Uh, the, he was fact-checked on a lot of the stuff that he was talking about, stuff he was saying wasn't true. He did fuel some speculation about who he's going to pick for his running mate, mentioned uh, Senator Tim Scott, South Dakota Governor Kristi Noem. And he, he said more than 60% tariffs on Chinese imports. That was something that he was he's floating the notion of that. Let me tell you, former President Trump, you're going to make that happen. You better get control of that Chinese supply chain. You want to talk about hardball? Chinese want to play hardball on that front. Those 60% tariffs could really come back to bite a lot of people here in this country. I'm just saying, just throwing that out there. And then uh, Tucker Carlson is reported to over in Russia, maybe to do an interview with Vladimir Putin. He's catching a lot of flack on that. We'll watch that story as it might develop this week. Out of time for this afternoon. Thanks to Garrett and Kyle. Thanks to you for listening. Latest in news coming up next here on KLBJ.